Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning. My name is Bree. I am an intern here at Yorkie. I've been interning in the worship space here for two years with the amazing Ange. Um, And it's just been my privilege to get to learn from this incredible staff team. And it really is my honor this morning to get to share from God's word with you. So if you've been with us for the last few weeks, we've been journeying through this passage of scripture in the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, known as the Beatitudes. For some context, Matthew chapter 5 comes off the back of Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and he has gone out and started his ministry, starting to call his first few disciples. And he's, he's healing people from their diseases, he's releasing them from demonic oppression, and, and these events have kind of gained Jesus some attention. There are these crowds that have started to gather and follow him waiting to see what will happen next, kind of hanging off every word. And so we pick up in Matthew chapter 5 in the beginning where Jesus addresses these crowds that have gathered and he looks out at these outcast, ordinary, lowly people, the forgotten, the rejected, the common folk of society, and he welcomes them. And he welcomes them in a really beautiful way with these eight statements of blessing. And so we're picking up today Matthew 5 verse 8 where Jesus declares, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So what we're going to do this morning is we'll unpack a couple of the key words in this statement and then we're going to dive into what Jesus is communicating, what he's telling people about this new way and this new kingdom. Is that all good? Yes? Okay. (laughs) If it's not all good, well, it's what we're doing anyway, so (laughs) I can't change that quick. Um, So the first word that we're looking at this morning is blessed. Now, we actually already know this one. Back in week one, Andrea introduced us to the Greek word for blessed, which is makarios. Yeah, it's on the screen as well, so you can just read it and tell me makarios. Um, This word makarios is like a welcome, a celebration, and a blessing all rolled into one. And so Jesus is looking at these crowds and he's saying, welcome, congratulations to you guys. You are fortunate. You have favor. You are blessed. So that's the first word today. The second word, which is a new word for us this morning, is the Greek word for heart in the statement pure in heart. Now, this word is actually more familiar to us than you might assume. It's this word, cardia. And cardia refers to the mind, the character, the inner self, and the will. It's thought to be the seat of life, soul, mind, and spirit. And it includes thinking, feeling, impulses, affections, and desires. There's a lot packed into this word, cardia. And the reason that we're looking at it is because it matters that Jesus identifies the heart, the inmost thoughts and feelings as this place of blessed purity. 
because the culture that this original audience was living in focused so heavily on ceremonial cleansing, like these rituals that they would do in order to be presented pure before God. And so when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, he's shifting the focus. Leviticus 13 actually has a whole list of the things that would make someone unclean and then also what to do about it. They would have to purify themselves, not just from sin, but also from physical ailments that would deem them outcasts. Each reason for impurity had a specific work attached to it that would bring them back into a state of cleanness. And so sometimes it was burning their clothes, shaving their heads, bathing. Sometimes they would be clean until the end of the day. Sometimes for a whole week, for seven days, and sometimes until the issue resolved itself. And so that means that some of these people listening to the words of Jesus had been outcasts and rejected for a very long time. So this statement, blessed are the pure in heart, is actually identifying the value of purity in the inmost parts of someone. Jesus is ushering in a new way He's telling us something about this new kingdom that he's announcing. He's shifting the focus from outward uncleanliness and outward unrighteousness, which at that time focused so heavily on works. And he's telling us that what he cares about is the state of our hearts. And so I imagine a leper, someone who in that time would have been deemed outcast because of this condition on their skin, And I imagine a leper, perhaps at the back of the crowd, who was so outcast that he would have to actually announce when he was coming so that people could move away from him. Can you imagine the loneliness of that? And perhaps he's sitting at the back of the crowd listening to Jesus. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I imagine the hope that would have stirred in someone like that who was outcast. Perhaps he leaned over and asked someone, did Jesus just say pure in heart will get to see God? What would it have been like to be rejected by society because of outward uncleanliness and then to be welcomed and even congratulated by the Messiah, the King of Kings, because of the state of your heart? This statement is so freeing for us. And out of the 151 times that this word cardia is used in the New Testament, 151 times, this is the first one. There is something new that Jesus is doing here. It's the first rejection of works. He's welcoming people in, not based on the outside or the works that they have done, the rituals. He's welcoming them based on their heart. And so there is this accessibility to God that is being announced. Now, there are two ways that scholars understand the meaning of this statement, pure in heart. And this is my invitation really quickly to stay with me because we're going we're to look at two different meanings. And many scholars focus in on just one, but a lot of them acknowledge both. And we're going to look at both this morning because of the way that they work together to create this really beautiful image of a pure heart. Is that okay? 
Okay, so the first one, the first meaning, a pure heart is unveiled, unhidden, vulnerable before God, open about what is on the inside. Remember that that word heart, cardia, means thoughts, desires, inner affections and character. And so a pure heart, an unveiled heart, shows God everything that is within. Sin, sadness, confusion, doubt. Whatever is on the inside, being unveiled before God and being pure before God is talking about being unhidden. And so an unveiled heart rejects the call of culture to present only what is neat and tidy, likely to be celebrated and accepted. A pure heart rejects the reasons to hide and instead is transparent before the living God. This is a pure heart. This is an unveiled heart. The second meaning is undivided. So a pure heart is undivided before God or unmixed with anything devious. It's saying, Lord, here is my life, all that I am. I'm all in for you. I'm not looking at anything else. I'm not distracted by anything else. It is faithful, steadfast, obedient. An undivided heart rejects anything not from God and refuses to be influenced by anything evil. Proverbs 4, 25 to 27 describes this undivided heart really well. It says, Let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. So this is a pure heart, undivided in attention, single-minded, focused on Jesus. So these two concepts, these two meanings are really important as we continue on. So I just want to do a recap, make sure we're all following. A pure heart is unveiled and undivided. Can you say that with me? Unveiled and undivided. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to turn to Matthew 26, 36 in just a moment. So I'll give you a minute if you have your Bibles, Matthew 26, verse 36. And we're going to have a look at the best example ever, which of course is Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in him, we see the marrying of these two meanings. And because Jesus is just that good, we're also going to see the way that he is authentic and open with his closest trusted friends. So Matthew 26, verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to him, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. 
Then he came back, and again he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Now there are four things that I want to highlight for us in this passage this morning. The first thing is that Jesus comes to his loving father as a loved son. He knows the love of his father, and so he knows that when he comes with his heart open, he will not be rejected. He knows that he can share what is inside, the ache and the turmoil, and that he will be accepted by his father. It is his joy and not his shame to be transparent before God. He knows that in his most painful moments, the loving arms of his father is where he should be. The second thing is that he comes to him open about all the pain that is inside. The repetition of Jesus' prayer, three times he prays pretty much the same thing, indicates the deep turmoil that was within him. And he's open with God about that. He says, if it is possible, may this cup pass from me. He is unveiled before God about what is in his heart. And yet, in the very next breath, the third thing that we see is that Jesus is wholly, purely submitted to the will of God, even unto death. And so we see this beautiful example of a pure heart in that Jesus is unveiled and still undivided before God. Now the fourth thing is that Jesus allows his friends into that space. He lets them see it. Not only does he say to his disciples, my soul is full with sorrow to the point of death, but Mark's gospel says that when Jesus goes to pray, he is what Mark describes as a stone's throw away. Not only does he express with his words what is going on in his heart, but he lets them see the turmoil. This is a pure heart. Jesus comes sincerely expressing his desires and yet submitting to God's will. So congratulations. Welcome, you who are unmasked before God, unhidden, out in the open, just as you are, who you truly are, in all of your sickness, in all of your questions, in all of your sin. Congratulations, you who are unhidden before the living God. Because in transparency, we actually align with the way of Jesus. And we allow him to come in and to transform our hearts. And so this unveiled heart becomes an undivided heart. Now this topic of transformation relates to what we call spiritual formation, which sounds like a big word, but it's actually a theme that we've touched on quite a lot in the last few weeks. And this theme of spiritual formation, at the crux of it is this statement that Jesus meets us where we are at, and that's grace. But he doesn't leave us where we're at, and that's also grace. I cannot purify my own heart. I cannot will myself to be clean. 
In Isaiah 64, 6, the prophet laments at the state of humanity, saying that we have all become like the one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And so I imagine the state of our hearts looks a little bit like this. And we go around with a cloth that probably looks like this, trying to polish all the ugliness in our hearts, trying to clean up all the mess before we come to God. And when we've walked around and polished a couple things, maybe the gossip or the bitterness, the judgmental thoughts, then when we feel like we've done a good job, we come to God with a heart that probably looks like this. It's still absolute filth, just hidden away. This is not a pure heart. When Jesus is talking about a pure heart, he does not mean this. And in fact, the the way that you respond to the state of your heart actually tells us a lot about what we believe about the gospel. Because this statement, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God, is actually a really beautiful image of the gospel. Jesus isn't talking about having a perfect heart completely untainted by sin because we know that we have all fallen short. Jesus is talking about having a heart that is unhidden, a heart that comes to him. And so being pure in heart and unveiled in heart is actually like coming to Jesus with the first image. In all of the mess, in all of the ugliness, in all of the pain, our invitation this morning is to come to Jesus like this, You don't have to try and clean it up. You don't have to try and hide it away. And my encouragement is that Jesus doesn't want your attempt at a perfect heart. He wants your unveiled heart. And there's this really beautiful invitation in the words of Jesus, this invitation to belong and this invitation to be transformed. When we open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit, when we are sincere and submitted before him, God is faithful to purify our pure hearts. When we open up ourselves to the transforming, renovating, refining work of the Holy Spirit, we will become undivided in attention and in worship. This statement, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The word see here is actually in the Greek, it's optonomy. And this word optonomy, it actually means to experience, to discern clearly, to stare at. Psalm 24, 3-4 says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. As we submit to him and he refines our hearts, we will see him, not just in the transforming of our hearts, not just as we experience his transforming love, but also when we see him in glory face to face. 
This is the now and the not yet. And I don't know about you, but I want to see God more and more. I want to see his kingdom come, to see him establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, in our hearts as it is in heaven, in this city as it is in heaven. We need him. And so I wonder this morning, are we seeing God? Are we experiencing him? Or are we hiding parts of ourselves because we've been convinced that we should? Are there areas of my life that I am not giving to God, that I am keeping away from him because of fear or shame? I wonder, am I allowing things into my life that have divided my heart? that have divided my attention and my worship. The invitation this morning is to genuinely ask the Holy Spirit to come and search our hearts. And this is not a yucky thing, and I know it can feel and sound scary, but this is actually our joy. It's our joy to be sincere before God. Because we know that we are accepted. We know the love of God. We know that he is the loving father. And so it is our joy because he looks out at this crowd of ordinary people and he says, blessed are you, pure in heart, you will see God. And it is our joy to be wholly submitted before him because he says, blessed are you, pure in heart. You who are undivided, you will see me, you will experience me, you will notice my presence more vividly. So I want to give us space this morning to sit with that. And it's not condemnation, it's a joy. He says, welcome, come. You are the fortunate ones, pure in heart, unveiled and undivided before God. You will see him at work. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but as I do, I might leave a space of silence just to allow you to reflect. Am I unveiled? Am I undivided? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for your kindness to us. We thank you, Lord, for how intimately you know us. We thank you that you love us, that you see our hearts. And I pray, Father, that you, would, that you would help us see this as a joy, that we would be delighted in the way that your kingdom invites us to come and just be transparent and submitted to you and your way. And so, Holy Spirit, we do invite you to come search our hearts.
We invite you, Lord, to give us clean hands and a pure heart. We know that it is your transforming work for your glory. And in this moment, Father, I pray against shame and against fear and against lies that would keep people hidden. And I pray that the understanding that you are our heavenly Father and we are not rejected for showing what is in our hearts, I pray that that would settle in our hearts. Lord, would you help us be single-minded Thank you, Father, for your presence here with us today. We just bless you and we thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.